0: So recently at a local uh, city, not around here, but a a police station was hosting a police department was hosting a news conference about a very uh, high profile case that they were working and they needed to inform the public of what was going on. And so right before the news conference takes place, everyone is getting where they need to be. And uh, right at the last minute, the person who is going to to uh, translate with ASL shows up. She presents herself and says she's the ASL uh, translator and everyone says, OK, great. They start the news conference and as they start uh, later on, they would get calls in and they'd want to know, well, who is this lady doing the ASL? Because as it turns out, she was not the ASL translator. She was someone who showed up apparently intentionally and just decided that she was going to make up sign language in the moment. And so people were calling in and saying, this lady is giving us gibberish. She is not giving us ASL. So imagine then finding out, now she was later arrested, as I understand it, because it's (laughs) really not a good thing, really not a good thing to have a message to tell somebody, but intentionally mess up the message. Y'all with me? Oh, you think you know where I'm going already, don't you? But you might be right. So a few weeks ago I was uh, at the house and I was doing some reading and writing and I left the television on just to kind of hear what's going on and all kind of stuff. And I, I noticed something that by lunchtime I had heard one phrase repeatedly and that one phrase was, well, that's what Christmas is all about. Now, what's interesting is by the time I got to lunch and I heard that phrase repeatedly, that's what Christmas is all about. Someone had said, well, family, that's what Christmas is all about. Somebody said the kids, that's what Christmas is all about. Somebody said the food, that's what Christmas is all about. Somebody said the cheer, that's what Christmas is all about. And it got me thinking, what if I was an alien and I was just plopped here on this place? And I happened to be watching TV the same day, and I wanted to know, what's Christmas all about? I'd be one confused alien. Is it about the kids? Is it about happiness? Is it about the gifts? Is it about all those things? Surely, sisters and brothers, those things have become a part of uh, of what's at Christmas. But I want to suggest to you today, that's not what Christmas is all about. Now you and I as the church we can say in here, oh no no no, that's not what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about Jesus. Now just because you say that in here, don't believe don't believe that that's what Christmas is all about once we go outside. Because it's very important it's very important for us to realize sisters and brothers that that's what Christmas has become. It's about the gifts. It's about the parties. It's about the fun stuff. It's about the happy stuff. And I want to suggest to you that it is the church's responsibility to make sure that we don't lose sight of what we are truly celebrating this time of the year. Someone very wisely said this week, while the calendar of the culture is consumed with Advertising Christmas. The calendar of the church is consumed with Adventing Christmas. You see, because the culture will say, I'm going to advertise Christmas to you. And they do a good job, don't they? They geeked you. Boy, since like July, they've been saying, well, you know, there's only 20-something Fridays before Christmas, right? They already start digging in you, telling you, you better get ready. (gasps) Oh! It's six weeks before Christmas and you haven't gotten all your gifts. You're going to ruin Christmas for somebody. Advertisers are good at what they do. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so while the culture is advertising uh, us Christmas, it's supposed to be the, jo- the church, church's job to advent Christmas to the world. We're the ones who are supposed to say, slow down. We're not there yet. We're the ones who are supposed to say, you know, all the holly jolly, all this. that's great. But there's something more important, more meaningful about Christmas. There's a reason why we needed Christmas to begin with. It's the church's job, sisters and brothers. It's your job, it's my job, to make sure that when Christmas comes, we have prepared our hearts to receive the Christ child once again, and we have done everything in our power to show the world truly what Christmas is about. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I have a love-hate attitude with the things of Christmas and the attitude of Christmas. Uh, and, and in one sense, I love it because this is a time of year where it's, it's almost automatic. People know, you know what, I need to do something good for somebody, Right? I need to take care of a family. I want to find some kids that may need something. I want, to, I want to do something for somebody. So I love it because somebody's being taken care of, right? There's some needs that are being addressed. There's a family who's getting blessed in some way. There's a family who feels like they're all alone that realizes, you know, not everybody's bad. I, and I love that part. I love that part that we're, that, we're, that we're trying our best to take care of each other. But then I kind of hate it because then what happens? And we just kind of go on with our lives again. Or or sometimes we say, well, you know, what? Uh, we we want to raise money. We want to get all these gifts because we want to give somebody a good Christmas. Have you ever heard somebody say that? The problem I have with that, sisters and brothers, and maybe we need to ask ourselves what we mean by that. But when we say we want to give somebody a good Christmas by giving them a lot of gifts, what we're saying is good means getting stuff. I don't know that that's exactly what Jesus meant for us. Don't get me wrong. Size double X. I like green. I like good shoes. Fly, eagles, fly. But that's not Christmas. Christmas is us realizing that We needed God. And as we prepare ourselves for Christmas, we realize that what we have to give to the world, first and foremost, is not gifts, it's not stuff. What we have to give to the world is a message. We have a message to give to the world, a message that's been given to us. We haven't made this up on our own. We haven't sat around the table and and figured out, oh, what's something nice we can say? What's some good advice we can give? We have been given the gospel, the good news. And first and foremost, it is our job as the body of Christ to tell the world, we've got something for you. And it's a message. You see, Isaiah And the people of God, this is the message that they heard. When Isaiah opens up, chapter 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. I've told you before, if God tells you to do something, sisters and brothers, do yourself a favor. Do it. And Isaiah understood that there was something that God had laid on his heart, something that God had put before him and told him, this is what you will do. This is what you will be about. And Isaiah received that. Isaiah said, "Okay, now the spirit of the Lord is upon me. God has given me this anointing. And maybe this is a side note. I need to let you know, because sometimes we say, oh, serving is so joyful and following God is blissful and blessings and everything else. But here's the reality. That's right. That's good. That's a part of it. But when you commit to doing the things of God, sometimes it's not very comfortable. And sometimes it's not the things that you really want to do. But when God tells you to do something, ask Jonah, ask Moses, ask Joseph. Jesus Jesus used this passage, right? That's why some of us know We're not, We aren't very familiar with Isaiah, but we might be familiar with these words because these are the words that Jesus used one day as he went into the temple and they asked him to read, and so he opened the scroll and he looked. He looked for this passage, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. So even Jesus understood, God has asked me to do something, <laughs> I need to do it. We hear sometimes that the spirit of Christmas is great. The spirit of Christmas brings us together. The spirit of Christmas brings happiness. The spirit of Christmas makes everyone smile. As far as we're concerned, there's no such thing as a spirit of Christmas. There's a spirit of God. There's a spirit of God that has laid on our hearts a particular message. As we read from Isaiah 61, we get the impression that, you know, this is something for one person to do, but you have to connect some pieces together. This isn't the first time we've heard a message like this in Isaiah's word. So when we piece all these things together, we realize that this isn't just a message for one person to give out. It becomes a message for an entire people to make their own. It becomes a message that is intended that an entire nation would internalize and understand that it is their message to share with the world. Let me, let me just read this again because I think it's that important. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed. Do you know any oppressed people today? Is there anyone in the world today who is still oppressed? Or is this just something in ancient times? there are still oppressed people today? To bind up the broken-hearted, I bet there's some broken hearts right in this room. To proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. Is anyone mourning anymore? Of course. I remember the family this week. Who just this past week lost a family member. And understand all too well that once December 25th comes, it's going to feel so different. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. I I love that if you're paying attention. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but a year is longer than a day. That's not news, is it? So, So watch this. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. So for some people, they see God as this vengeful God, just ready to smite them where they stand. And part of the message that the prophet was given, and part of the message that you and I have been given is, look, there is judgment with God. But it's a day. Compare that to the year of favor of our Lord. See, God is more full of favor for his people than he is of judgment. Praise God. Praise God. See, the people, they had had everything taken away from them. They had been brought into exile, but then a glorious thing happened. They were able to come back home one day. They were able to finally get what they had wanted. It ever happened to you sometimes, you know, maybe as a kid, you think, or even as an adult, right? Oh, I just got to have, you know, whatever it is, right? Oh, oh, mommy, 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 dad, please, 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 right? Or
1: honey, 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 please,
0: right, right? And you wait. me I'm order please, please, please. Then what happens? You finally get it. You finally get it. And you're like, oh, this is great. This is great. And, no, it's not that great, I guess. It's, uh. And then you realize everything you had wanted, you finally get it. And it's like, that was nice. But what? So the people of God had been able to come back home. But something happened when they came home. When they came home, bad things started happening again. People started turning on each other. There was poverty. There was all these things happening that they thought, man, we're just, we're going to go home and things are going to be perfect. But it's not the way things were. And so God had a message for them. He had a message that He told them, I will provide for those who mourn in Zion. I will give them a garland, a crown instead of ashes. They will build up the ancient ruins. They shall rise up the former devastations and they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. You see, for a people who had lost hope, again, God says, I am still going to keep my promise. And the promise that we needed was that God would always care for us. So at Christmas, we're not celebrating the gifts. We're not celebrating all the great food. It's been great so far. We're not even celebrating baby Jesus. We're celebrating that God came to us. Right? What do we call that doctrine of ours? The incarnation, right? The incarnation of Jesus Christ. And what that means for us is that we understand that when we see Jesus, we see God in the flesh. That's what that word means, right? That when we see Jesus, we see God in the flesh. Well, I want to tell you something, sisters and brothers. Now that we've been given the message of hope that we have been asked to give, that those who mourn can find comfort in God. That those who feel brokenhearted can find peace again. That those who feel lost can find a home again. That those who feel broken will be healed. That those who feel like they have lost their hope can always find hope in God. That is our message, sisters and brothers. And then what we realize is we are getting ready. We are getting our hearts ready to prepare to receive God in the flesh once again. And then we have to realize... Jesus didn't just say, here, I am. He didn't just say, you come here. Right? There's, there's different ways to think about here. Right? We could say, you know, here. Where is it at? It's right here. But then there's another way to look at that word, right? Here. Here you go. See, at Christmas we... We receive the here. God tells us, though, but don't forget. Here. More than one one occasion, the early Methodist Christians, you know those rowdy Methodist people, right? Not you, the one sitting next to you. (coughs) On more than one occasion, the early Methodists were given credit. Because if you look at Europe... In the 18th century, revolution was spreading everywhere. And in England, England was only one of, I believe, four countries that didn't have a revolution. These revolutions weren't just nice, hey, we revolted. These were bloody. These were deadly times in history. But on more than one occasion, the early Methodists were given credit because the work that they were doing to bring healing, to bring health, to bring peace to the people of England... Was so widespread, was so visible that people later on said, man, you look at the work that they did and you realize their country didn't have a revolution like everybody else did. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Let me ask you a question. What could you and I as, as a church, as a real church right here, right now, what could you and I be blamed for years from today? Anything good? Hopefully. But could people look at us and say, man, all the work that they were doing, look how they touched the world. Look how they made their corner of this world a better place. Look how they made sure that people were loved and cared for. Look what they were able to do, that even though the world around them was falling apart, there was something happening there that was different. That's called being incarnational, sisters and brothers. When you and I commit ourselves doing the work of God, we aren't just saying, okay, let me sign it up now. We understand that we have received the message here, and now it's our turn to say here. So that now you and I become, dare I say, God in the flesh once again. That when people see what we do, when people hear the words that we speak, the message we give, they don't just see us, they say God speaking to me. That doesn't make you a God. Don't misunderstand me. But what it means is just as Jesus understands an incarnational ministry, we follow Jesus, and that means we aren't just helping people, we're giving people God. That's different. That's different than just signing up to do a good deed. Sisters and brothers, you and I have a message to give. You and I have a message of hope and reconciliation for the world. Don't buy into all the advertising. Understand that it's our job to receive that message right here. And that's our job to look at the world around us, to see all the pain, to see all the hurt, to see all the confusion, to see everything, and be able to say to them, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, amen.